today we are reading from genesis chapter 2 verses 19 to 25 and 1 thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 to 8 genesis chapter 4, uh, 2 verses 19 to 25 now the lord god had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky he brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature that was its name so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky and all the wild animals but for adam no suitable helper was found so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man the man said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh shall she she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and this they be, become one flesh Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 to 8. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you now what instruct instructions we gave you by the authority of the lord jesus it is god's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate like passionate lust like pagans who do not know god and that is this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister the lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before for god did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life therefore anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but god the very god who gives you his holy spirit good morning my name's steven i'm uh, one of the pastors here now as we heard we're in the middle of a series where we're asking the question does faith still speak into our modern world does an ancient faith like christianity have anything to say to modern world issues around us and the thing we're looking at today is porn what does faith have to say to how porn is used today now just before we we look at what faith has to say first i reckon we need to consider what the the world around us has to say because it's quite varied and and it's actually quite conflicted like did you know that um 59% of boomers believe porn is wrong and bad for society so the majority 59% but among young adults kind of 18 to 24 that percentage drops down to 31% so the minority the, the the great minority think pornography is bad for society 
And apparently, actually, 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk with their friends about porn. So that's, that's one view of porn. But it's not a bad thing for society or, or for my friends. It's a bit of harmless fun. It's a bit of a joke. But it's not a problem. It's natural and it's normal. And even in the um, ABC News app yesterday, there was an article all about the virtues of making ethical porn. Uh, this article, it, when you read it, it just seems to assume that, that porn itself is fine and good And it even talks about how parents want porn that they can recommend to their kids. And so really the issues are just about making sure that they're seeing things like safe sex and consensual sex and diverse sex. Now, Faith has always said that porn is a problem. But before we we get to that, there are more and more people who are actually finally starting to, to see this too. And and some of these people, they're they're very keen to distance themselves from faith. I'm guessing that's because people seem to assume if if someone's saying porn is bad for society, they must be a a religious kind of nutcase like me. But study after study is now actually catching up with what faith has always said and showing that there's a dark side to porn. Not not just a dark side for those who are kind of trapped in it, exploited by it, but actually a dark side for individuals using it and for their relationships and for the people in their relationships. There's actually a a movement called Your Brain on Porn. Um, The the late founder was an atheist. And on their website, they, they list hundreds of studies, literally hundreds of studies, that show the destructive effects of porn. They list studies that show the connection between porn and addiction. They list studies that show the connection between porn and sexual performance problems. Studies that show the connection even between porn and really sexist and horrible views of women. There's another movement called Fight the New Drug, which is also not religious. And on its website, they say this is the issue. They say decades of studies from respected institutions have demonstrated significant impacts of porn consumption for individuals, relationships, and society. On this website, they show how porn consumers tend to be less satisfied in relationships, less committed, more permissive to cheating. They also talk about how there's exploitation and trafficking that are common experiences in the porn industry studies have shown at least one in three porn videos show sexual violence or aggression and yet studies also show that most kids today are exposed to porn by the age of 13 and this is a a modern issue isn't it you know it's only been the last 25 years really that kids and adults have been exposed like this last isn't a modern issue of course but porn in our pockets you know so accessible so available so secretly to every single one of us even kids that's radically new to society 25 years is nothing so there are two conflicting ideas about porn out there 
It's fine. It's natural. Maybe it's a bit distasteful. Although if it's ethical, maybe not. But it's really not a problem. That's one view. But increasingly, the other view is that porn is harmful for individuals, harmful for relationships, and harmful for society. But you know, whatever we think about it, what the stats show is that regardless, porn is widely accessed. So an Australian study back in 2010, it found that 70% of Australian men and 30% of Australian women regularly view porn. And half of those who view porn have a daily habit of watching between 30 minutes and three hours of it. And more recently, in in, in 2019, the Sydney Morning Herald reported that an analysis of kind of online porn usage found that Australians' usage of porn was increasing rapidly. Some websites had seen doubling of their traffic in a three-year period. The truth is, we know it's, it's not just an issue out there in society. An American study of, of, um, of people who identify as Christians found 64% of men and 15% of women say they watch porn at least once a month. Now, if you think about it, if those stats are roughly accurate for us, that means that 60 of us here 60 of us here are in that same boat. So what does an ancient faith like Christianity have to say to an issue like this, an issue of modern porn? Possibly, we might think that all faith has to say is a huge no. It's wrong. You know, we might think all faith has to say, all it can do is condemn us. But actually, faith, has far more to say to this modern issue if we're willing to listen to it. So what we're going to do today is is we're going to hear two things that faith has to say. Now, there's heaps more we could say, but we just don't have the time to do that, to hear it today. So what we're going to do is we're going to hear first not how faith has a big no to say, actually what faith says most clearly and most powerfully is a huge yes but it's it's a yes to a completely different vision for humanity our first point is that faith tells us that we're made for a better vision than porn we're made for a better vision now last week we saw that we're made in the image of god we're made for relationships We're made for relationship with God and we're made for relationships with each other and we're made with purpose. We're made to have the role of of ruling this world with care in line with the character of God. And these two things, relationships and purpose, they're more central and key to us than we realise And the ancient faith of Christianity speaks to these two things in in great depth. And right there at the beginning, in the first two chapters of the Bible, faith speaks to one particular relationship especially. It gives a, a vision for the relationship between a man and a woman. And what we see is that 
being in the image of God, it's, it's not a man thing or even an individualistic thing. In Genesis 1.27, it says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In other words, being in the image of God is not simply about our individuality. It's also about our connectedness. It's about our interrelationality. As we express relationship, we, we reflect something of the image of God. And this is, this is true of, of all relationships, but it's also true in, in a highlighted kind of way in the relationship between a man and a woman. In the first relationship, what we see is that together they were to be in the image of God. And together they were to assist each other in the purpose of ruling the creation with care. Now humans, we're made for all kinds of relationships. But in the beginning, God intended the relationship between a man and a woman to have a unique and a beautiful aspect to it. It was made to be a complementing of each other's strengths. So that, you know, one plus one doesn't equal two, but equals three. But ironically, the way that that synergy would come about was, was by a deep unity. So that one plus one actually equals one. In Genesis 1.24, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verse 24, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. There's such a unity in, in almost every way that there's a oneness, one in purpose, one economically, one physically, one sexually, one in seeing each of them in one child. Now, what's all this got to do with porn, though? What it comes down to is this. What faith tells us is that God's vision for sex is that he made it for this relationship. Sex is, is a powerful and a, a beautiful gift from God given to a man and a woman for the building up of their relationship. What we were made for was relationships of all kinds. What sex was made for was the building up of one particular relationship, marriage. A unique, a unique relationship of, of great beauty, of deep love, of, of respect, of, of affection, of commitment. A giving of all of yourself to the other and a receiving of all of the other to yourself. We see God's vision in, in Genesis 2 verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame they, they were vulnerable with each other but without the need to fear that they'd hurt each other because they were one god's uh, vision for sex was not the pursuit of my pleasure as the goal neither was it the pursuit of the other's pleasure as the goal but the pursuit of relationship as the goal 
which of course almost always involves the pursuit of each other's pleasure. Now that is a far, far more powerful and beautiful vision than porn. But it's also a vision that's a little bit terrifying for us now. Do you feel that? The idea of giving all of yourself to another and receiving all of another to yourself. I mean, it sounds a little bit like romanticism. It sounds a little bit like we've got rose-colored glasses because of those of us who are married or, or who have been married, we know it's not like that now. We know in, in marriage, we hurt each other. We know in marriage, we can't always stand before each other completely vulnerable without shame. We know even in marriage, sex does not always build the relationship now. Everywhere around us in our world, we see that sex is no longer being used to build one relationship of, of deep love and commitment. You know, all around us, we see manipulation in sex. We see abuse. We see people using other people. We, we see a vision for sex where people are reduced to objects. And despite what we tell ourselves, what we see is sex being used for self-centered reasons all the time. And we don't just see this in the, in the world out there, do we? We see it in, in the world in here and, and in here as well, in our hearts and our minds. And this is because every single one of us has rejected, not only, not only rejected God's vision for his world, but we've rejected his right to even speak into that space. In every area of life, we don't look to him. We don't center things on our relationship with him. We now center things on ourselves and on our own vision for life. Important is just one example of this. Mind you, it's a powerful example. It's a powerful example of something beautiful being turned to something destructive. You know, think about what porn does in a marriage. You know, for someone using porn, on the one hand, desire for real-life relational sex goes down. And so the other party is wondering what has gone wrong because the other one has become distant and no longer pursues them in a, a way that's healthy and gentle and fun and devoted. But then on the other hand, the person stuck in, in porn, for that person, normal relational sex is it's no longer exciting enough. And sex becomes not about relationship, but about, about my increasingly mixed up fantasies. I expect and, and I demand the world while delivering very little. And if you're single, porn is still destructive for you. It'll impact your current relationships. You start to view people differently. And it even impacts a possible future marriage relationship, setting you up for sex to be built on entirely the wrong idea right from the beginning. Porn, it affects how we see each other. We start to see each other as consumables rather than people made in the image of God made for relationships of love and dignity. And honestly, what kind of society dumps this on children? 
we think we should ban murder, ban stealing. But we think banning porn on the net is just too high a price to pay. So we let 10-year-olds get harmed by pornography constantly. We are broken people. We are a broken society, more broken than we can see or want to see. And this brings us to our second point. You know, faith tells us we're made for a better vision. We're made for a better vision. But we see we've twisted that vision. But next we see that, that faith tells us that even still, we're now called to a better vision than porn. We're called to a better vision. Now, we tend to think that all God has got to say is no. But we've seen what he really has to say is yes to something better. And when God does say no, it's not to sex and to all the fun and joy of sex. What he says no to is using and abusing people for our own selfish desires, even if they want to be used. But even still, even louder, God calls us back to his yes. God calls us to once again embrace the vision he made us for. And actually, even more than that, he calls us to, his, to embrace his vision of where he's taking all things. Not just his vision of what he made us for, but his vision of where he is taking all things. At the cross, what God is doing is not condemning us. What God is doing in Jesus is being crushed instead of us for our darkness. In Jesus, God the Son is taking our place for our sin. He's allowing us to see that we're more loved beyond what we could imagine. Not because we're so lovely, but because Jesus loves us even in our brokenness. Because he wants to save us not only from the consequences of it, but from the reality of it itself. In a book I, I was reading a little while ago um, that one of you here gave me, uh, it's called Gentle and Lowly by um, Dane Ortland, and it's about the heart of Jesus. And he writes in his book, if you are a part of Christ's own body, your sins evoke his deepest heart his compassion and pity. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. We understand this, Thomas Goodwin, uh, says Thomas Goodwin, when we consider the hatred a father has against a terrible disease afflicting his child. The father hates the disease while loving the child. Indeed, at some level, the presence of the disease draws out his heart to his child all the more. I don't think we, we fully grasp the power of this. But what faith is saying to us is that God is not yelling a condemning no, but a saving one. He's angry, yes, but his, his anger burns against the damage and, and the misery that porn is causing us. And faith tells us, he calls us now to a better vision. We don't have time to go into it today, but we're called to a relationship with Jesus that's even more unique and even more beautiful than the marriage relationship that God made at the beginning. 
We're called to that relationship. And because of Jesus, we're called now to relationships with each other that last forever. Relationships that are modeled to us by Jesus. Our world, it it tells us that unless we're having sex in a way that kind of spins on our fantasies, then we're missing out. We're deprived and, and our lives are less fulfilled. And fear of missing out like that will drive you to endanger the beautiful relationships in front of you. But it will also lead you to more extreme and dark places. But Jesus teaches something very different to the world. Even though he never had sex himself, he's more human than any of us, more fulfilled than any of us. He's not missing out. And he tells us when we know him, we can't miss out. We might miss out on things that don't last and things that will harm us, but we'll never miss out on the things that will last forever and the things that are truly beautiful, wonderful, joyful and pleasurable. It's like one of of the really old Christian songs says, Fading is the worldly pleasure, all its weak pretense and show, solid joys and lasting treasure, none but those of Zion, of God's kingdom. No, we're made for a better vision than porn. And in Jesus, we are now called to a better vision than porn. And so I I want to finish by asking, how do we embrace that calling? Especially if we're stuck in porn at the moment, how do we embrace that calling? And the first thing to say is that if you've never given yourself fully to Jesus then porn may be a problem for you, but there's an even bigger one. Because until you give your life fully to Jesus, you're ignoring God's call. He's calling you to to a better vision for all of life. And the way to respond to his call first is we've got to admit that we've been ignoring him. We've got to admit that we've been living by our own vision for our lives, a vision that is selfish and destructive and porn is just one way that we've lived like that the only way we can we can escape god's anger for the way that we've twisted his vision is is first humility to see what we really deserve but then second to trust god when he offers us what we don't at all deserve so god says if we trust jesus he'll not only forgive us but he'll make us again a part of of his vision for his world. Have you done that? Have you surrendered pursuing your vision for your life and and instead given your life fully to him, to Jesus and his vision? And once we've done that, faith tells us our calling is to walk through life embracing God's vision for us. And that's, that's really not easy. In Ephesians 5 verse 3, it says, But among you, among God's people, us, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Struggling against porn is part of our calling now. Listen to what Ephesians goes on to say in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. 
have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Do you see our calling? As we expose the darkness of our hearts, as we shine a light into the darkness of our hearts, it's not comfortable what we find there. But darkness exposed becomes illuminating. Because darkness exposed shows that God loves us despite our darkness. That's illuminating. It shows that God forgives our darkness. That's illuminating. And it shows that God transforms our darkness into light. His work in darkness actually becomes light shining in the world. And darkness here is all sorts of things. You know, it's greed and it's drunkenness. It's religious pride and hypocrisy. And it's porn. And so this says to us, if we're stuck in porn, the answer is not secrecy. The answer is the light that Jesus shines on us. His love, his forgiveness, his calling. And part of the answer is visibility. So if you were stuck in porn right now, let me shine some light on it for you. And then let me invite you to keep shining light on it. If, you're, if we're stuck in porn, this is what we need to do. First, we need to see the true nature of porn. Porn is a lie. It's a cycle. It's a trap. It's got an addictive side to it. It's destructive. It's hurting you and it's hurting others. And most of our natural means of trying to deal with it only make the situation worse. Turning to willpower, turning to secrecy, turning to self-loathing, none of that works. What you need first is humility. You on your own, me on my own, we're not going to be able to do anything lasting about it. You need help from God. I don't know if you know this, but there's an addictive nature to porn. It literally wires your brain differently. The release of dopamine means that it's got an effect that's not completely different to drugs like methamphetamines or cocaine. And it means you get trapped. And it also means that the way out is similar to if you were an alcoholic or addicted to gambling. And so the first step is to see the true nature of this, the true nature of porn. It's not just a twisting of what God intended, it is that, but it's got a side to it that traps you chemically, that you'll never beat if you hold on to pride. So first, you need to admit that to yourself, that that you're beat. Next, if we're stuck in porn, what we need to do is to see the true nature of God. So you are loved You are forgiven. You're not beyond his help. You've not blown his calling one too many times. Dane Ortland, he also writes about Jesus. He does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, 
with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. That's the true nature of Jesus. So the second thing you need to do is to admit to him your beat. One of the stories I read this week was a, a guy caught in porn who, who found himself needing to escalate things to get the same fix. And so he found himself going to a, a strip club and he, he took out his phone to take a picture and, and the bouncer took his phone, went through his contacts and rang his wife and told, him, told her what was going on. He didn't know this, so as he drove home to a family dinner with his mum and dad and kids and wife, suddenly everything was completely out in the open. And do you know how he describes that day? As the third best day in his life after his wedding and the birth of his child. Why is that? Because what, what he found is that even though his family was hurt by his actions, they still loved him. And that openness, that visibility was the beginning of him finally getting free of something which had sucked the life out of him. That humbling experience was the beginning of getting free. And this is the third thing you need to see if you're stuck in porn. You need to see the true nature of what needs to be done. So far, you've admitted to yourself the problem. You've admitted to God the problem. But next, you, you need to reach out for help to your wife, to your friends, to your parents, to someone. You need to admit to someone else the problem. Without this, you're not going to recover. You know, if you choose not to reach out to someone, you need to know what you are choosing. You are choosing not to recover. Until you take this step, you're not going to start the journey to beat it. That's just the reality. Now think about it. You're not alone here in this room. There's probably 60 other people struggling with it. And actually, there is not one of us here who can throw stones. Not one of us. None of us are completely straight in our sexuality. Every single one of us is twisted by sin. If we're going to embrace the calling that God has for us, then we actually need each other. So if someone reaches out to you today or tomorrow or this week, your child or your husband, your friend, are you ready for them to do that? Are you ready to, to be there, walk with them, not just this week, but in the months and the years ahead? Admit to yourself the nature of the problem. Admit to God the problem. Admit to someone else the problem. And there's one last one, and I'm hesitant to say it because it sounds a bit trite. But what I'm trying to say with this is, is, is actually important. The final step you need is to admit yourself to rehab. And what I mean by this, what I'm trying to say by this, is that it takes 30 days of being completely without porn to rewire your brain. And it takes 90 days. After 90 days of being completely off porn, it makes an amazing difference. 
But you've got to stay off it completely for that entire time. And it's so important to do that, but it's so difficult. And unless you approach it like rehabilitating yourself over an extended period, unless you approach it like that, you're just going to go back to it. Now, there's heaps more that, that we could say about this. Heaps more, really, that we should say about it. But I see this as a start of a conversation, not the end. And so that means I'm now putting the ball in your court. I, um, I probably can't have 160 conversations with us all here about porn during this week. Um, don't get me wrong, please do speak to me if that would be helpful for you. But that's not really what I'm hoping. What I'm really hoping is that we'll have conversations with each other. I would love us to be speaking to each other about this, really caring for each other in this, and helping each other embrace the vision, the better vision that God has called us to. Let me pray for us. Father, you see our hearts. You see the darkness that's there. And you see the way that when light hits it, we, the way our natural inclination is to want to run. And yet, Lord, what a joy it is to know that even though you see us in our total selves, every aspect, every darkness, you don't run away from us. You run to us. Those of us who have given ourselves to Jesus, your heart goes out to us so so passionately that in our struggles, our addictions, our sin, you are there with us, calling us to something better, helping us to something better. Pray, Lord, that um, for us here we would we would turn away from this, flee from it, follow your calling, that this would be an opportunity to see that just how desperately we need you, just how we can't do it in our own strength that it would be an opportunity for us as a community to care for each other, not just now, but in an ongoing way. Lord, we lament the way our society has gone, but most of all, we lament that we are so prone to go with them against your vision for us. Father, we repent of that. We humble ourselves before you. We turn back to you, ask for your forgiveness, and ask for the strength of your spirit to help us walk the way you've called us to walk. For those who are struggling to steal their nerve, to take the step they need to, give them the strength, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.